This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello, I'm Joyce Steele, and you're listening to Health Check. More and more people in Singapore are living with dementia. Various initiatives aimed at making it easier for them to live with the syndrome have been introduced, and new ones are being developed. Just recently in March, the authorities spoke of a quick 10-minute digital drawing test that is being developed to help screen for dementia. An early diagnosis has various benefits. I mean, it would allow us to know what to expect so that we can plan ahead and focus on what we really want to do. We can also learn more about dementia and the treatment options here. Well, but the question is, when should we be worried about dementia? How would we know if we have dementia and when should we seek help? So in today's episode, I will be speaking with Dr. Simon Ting, a senior consultant at the Neurology Department at the National Neuroscience Institute in Singapore, to find out more. Hi, Dr. Ting. Hey, hello. Hi, Joyce. So, Dr. Ting, you were saying that many people actually come in very early when they have some signs of forgetfulness. And then those who actually need help, they may not come in at all. Or, you know, when should we seek help? A significant proportion of patients, actually, they have poor awareness. That means uh, even they have symptoms, they might not take that as serious. They think they have no problems. Yeah. So, um. That, that's a time that the caregivers or the family members uh, will be very, very important Okay, to pick up the telltale sign. So example, they might, you know, um, they used to be very independent in medicines and they start, you know, forgetting a lot of doses that uh, family members need to constantly need to, you know, make sure they're taking it. Sometimes uh, some people might forget, you know, they say something, they say it over again. Mm. Or some people might not remember, you know, what being told. So example, family members might, you know, tell him or her something. Later on, you know, looks like you know he's not registering it. Um, you know, all of us sometimes we do, you know, a little bit forgetting where we put our stuff. But sometimes, uh, they can be a real significant like, example, you know, um, uh, misplacing or lost the, the the home, um, you know, door or gate keys for many many times okay, until the family members keep on have to come in to help. Or some patients, uh, you know, repeatedly losing significant amount of money that misplaced, they couldn't find where they put their money, and those are also, I think, it's a uh, um, important symptoms because money, finances, for most of us, is a very, very sensitive and usually careful, careful things to handle. We tend to forget, you know, the uh, emotion, the mood component in uh, in in dementia. In fact, uh, for a lot of uh, patients, uh, uh, before the onset of uh, forgetfulness or memory symptoms, uh, they 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 start with the mood symptoms. Um, they become mm-hmm. a bit disengaged. Like uh, not interested, um, very very not uh motivated in the everyday life. It just looks like a very very lazy. Yeah, and sit there not doing anything. You know, quietly, and yet uh, they don't complain of uh you know, uh, significant depression symptoms. Yeah, of course the nature of the first thing you'll be worried a person whether is depressed or not. But um if Anyone that you love that suddenly you feel like for the past few months, okay, um, you know, there is a lot of uh, this kind of behavior change. It's good to look for uh, medical help because the mood or the uh, we call it neuropsychiatric onset as early symptoms of dementia, it's also common. So when they come in for help, right, when they seek help, I understand there is no single test for dementia. And also, you know, that quick test that we mentioned, that's not even ready yet. So what type of test would they be? Um, given, you know, what can they expect? After listening to the history, okay, then the next thing we need to demonstrate uh, 
there is a deficit cognitive impairment. Commonly, we use like a, there is a, a tool called MMSE or MOCA test. Those are the few very, very common tests that are being used in clinical practice. It serves a very good purpose. But of course, uh, some patients are probably more functional. Um, this kind of uh, simple test might not be you know, adequate to pick up the cognitive deficits. So we will um, proceed with the more difficult test. We call it neuropsychological assessment. Okay? So we refer our patients to a trained um, psychologist okay, to perform a neuropsychological test to see is there any specific domains of their cognitive functions uh, are uh, below the performance of uh, normal peers or, or, or population in, in a way that we can quantify yeah, their cognitive deficits. Next thing is a neuroimaging test. Neuroimaging tests uh, can be you know, um, from CT brain or an MRI brain investigations um, because we need to rule out that some other um, possibilities that mimic the cognitive decline or, or, or degenerative disorders. Are there any self-tests, you know, like maybe online tests that people can do? Some simple ones before going in to seek help. <laughs> well, I believe uh, there are quite a lot of, uh, you know, online materials that people can uh, try to do self-tests just to screen yourself. A bit. But of course, uh, all these tests, um, the validity is a concern. So I, I would say it's still a, a reasonable good idea, okay, especially if you have concerns okay, uh, with symptoms. Then if you found you know, um, the test result is not normal, then I think it's a good um, indicator that you seek for medical help to see whether you know, those, those, concern, those findings are a real concerns. Are there any that you would recommend? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you mentioned all these tests and then plus the, the scans as well, right? I mean, it seems quite complicated. And then considering mm -hmm. there is like currently no cure for dementia, you know, why would somebody come in early for an, a diagnosis? And what first of all, um, there are medication approved to be used in uh, dementia diagnosis. Example for Alzheimer's disease, you, um, like yeah, Parkinson's disease, uh, dementia. All these, we call it cognitive enhancers. Although, you know, they are not, uh, to say, uh, you know, a cure, a very, very powerful kind of medicine, but it does provide meaningful boosting effects, okay, to make the situation more stable and prolong the situation um, better. And I, I think these are meaningful for patients because uh, you'll be able to um, do your own personal things uh, uh, with less, you know, helps or reminders from people around you. An early diagnosis also prepare a person, okay, or a longer plan, what kind of uh, care um, a patient uh, a person would prefer, okay, and have a discussion with the family members, you know. So you know, legally, you know, if a person still intact in their in the in their in their capacity, you know, the this kind of a uh, power attorney or doing a will, I think it's uh, you know important to save um, some um, issues or trouble um, in future. But when we talk about the, the drugs, right, those are able to slow the rate of deterioration. It really usually serves as a boosting effect. Um, to be frank, I mean, in clinical practice, um, the most common scenario we see okay, with this group of medicine is a patient condition being stabilized, able to maintain the same state for longer period. Okay. Uh, only, only very uh, occasion or rare occasions that uh, um, you see a meaningful uh, 
good good recovery. Uh, this is a very uh, relatively rare. Yeah. So usually the the example I give to my patients or the caregivers is you can imagine you know, um, like a graph a curve. Um, it's a natural process that you know, the graph the curve will drop you know gradually over time. Probably with the medicines that uh, you were able to sustain the pull the graph okay a bit longer. Um, uh, uh, you know the the dropping will be uh, you know less um, drastic you know. Right. Okay. So it helps maintain the the brain function. Yes. Yeah. For a longer period. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but but does it it doesn't prolong life, right? Um no, because it doesn't change the underlying um, you know, the fundamental uh, neurobiological basis of the dementia itself. So when we talk about early, right? How early is earlier? I saw this, you know, the brain changes that comes with dementia, it happens actually the fifteen years, right, before the symptoms appear. And in the early stages, nobody would know actually. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a feel uh of a full of a subjectivity. Yeah, because if you, let's say you take an example, the most common form of elderly um, dementia, the Alzheimer's dementia, um, the pathological changes in the brain can draw back many many years prior to the onset of symptoms. So, example, it can be starting like uh, even forties or fifty years old. All right then probably it will only manifest when you're old enough. And also depend on your overall brain health. Example, you know, your cognitive reserve, how functional you are, how well educated you are. And the other status, like example, you know, diabetes, hypertension, all these vascular risk factors also would affect the brain health, you know, in a way. Um, but at the moment, we do know that, you know, uh, unfortunately, it's really strongly linked with the age. Okay? That means the older you are, um, the risk of being affected with Alzheimer's changes in the brain is naturally going to be higher. So uh, that's one of the relatively unmodifiable risks at the moment. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. So actually, when, you, when it's so early, right, like you mentioned, the changes can actually happen when you're 40, 50, and then the dementia comes later. But for somebody who's at that age, right, is there any way to tell that, you know, the changes are already happening in your brain? Any test? That's the challenge. That's why we say that there's a lot of subjectivity, you know. Sometimes the presence of these kind of proteins in the brain uh, doesn't always translate you um, have clinical symptoms. Of course, uh, this is the one of the uh, discussion or, you know, uh, argument about the developing treatments uh, because uh, how how early you want to draw the line that uh, um, to intervene. So example, I'll give you an example, you know, some, some people have a full blown of, uh, you know, this kind of pathology in the brain, but they are coping, okay? They don't have, you know, um, significant dementia symptoms clinically, yeah? And some are very, um, you know, old, old, old people, okay? Then, then later on, they might pass on for some other reasons, like, you know, heart problem, or infection. So it's very difficult to, um, justify, you know, based on um, which stage, what is the intensity, and that you know you 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 decide to 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 treat or intervene. But of course, the older treatment, you know, are, are focusing on these issues and matter lah, because people always want to intervene as early as possible. But at the moment, all the treatment is still unable to demonstrate uh, a significant benefit. Uh, I see. That's a reality. Okay. 
But, um, you know, when the changes come, right, that means there's no way to stop it anyway, right? Um, that, that, that is also not completely correct, I would say. Yeah, so we all, we all thought that, you know, dementia, it's definitely, a, you know, progressing and patient pass on like, for example, 10 years, you become very bad. But I believe uh, due to, you know, a lot of active interventions, uh, um, like lifestyle intervention, you know, emotional support, you know, you control other medical problems like diabetes, hypertension, much better. We do see a you know significant amount of patients' conditions stabilize, and they live very long. Yeah, in my in my follow up patients, it's not it's not surprised I have patients who being diagnosed and still you know not too bad twenty years. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So so that's why well, we 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 say the brain is a um is a one of the most complicated organs. Uh, it's linked. Um, closely linked uh, with a lot of uh, other factors, uh, your cardiovascular systems, you know, your lifestyle, your sleep, your emotions. Yeah, so it's not, you know, always like a, a very pessimistic uh, death sentence. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think we, we still have to be optimistic and try, you know, whatever we can. Yeah, live healthily. Right, and it's not just about drugs, like, it's about having a Yes, yes, good, yes. Maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Yes. yes. But are there, actually, you know, when we come to all this, are there like supplements that people can take? I'm sure some people look for all this, right? You know, yeah. anything that works to help themselves. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Because uh, we, we also need to understand from a patient's and caregiver perspective. Like, since the standard Western medicine also has a limitation, mm-hmm. and uh, people, of course, will look for hope. I think that's perfectly understandable. Um, so far, um, supplements, unfortunately, doesn't provide a strong evidence for um, routine recommendations. But a lot of uh, supplements, uh, in fact, are pretty safe. Yeah, That's why it's, uh, you know, it's available over the counter instead of doctor prescriptions. So usually I will engage with, uh, you know, a good discussion with the family members or patients, you know. Sometimes I do prescribe, like, example, ginkgo products. Okay, so if somebody wants to take some supplements, it will be okay because it's pretty safe. It's just that it may not be very effective then. Yes. So Dr. Ting, what are some of the conditions that can get mistaken for dementia? One of the uh, common, probably misconceptions, okay, about dementia, it's mean equivalent to um, degenerative con- conditions like Alzheimer's disease. Okay? But actually, it's not necessarily. Dementia is a, it's a diagnostic concept. It means that, you know, there is a medical conditions that the brain unable to form, you know, um, as its baseline. It's decompensated in the brain. Okay. Hydrocephalus is a condition that uh, the brain drainage system becomes clogged up. The cognitive decline is one of the uh, symptoms of presentation. And a lot of time patients uh, can have other problems. So example, um, the gait, uh, the walking become unstable. Um, and also um, some people have a early urine control issues. We call it urinary incontinence. So these uh, triple symptoms are the so-called the classic symptoms that describe in a hydrocephalus, we call it normal pressure hydrocephalus. Intervene um, early. If it's successful, it can reverse the cognitive decline or cognitive impairment pretty significantly. Okay, but the symptom sounds like somebody who's um, elderly may actually accept as part of aging. So you can actually seek help for it, right? You can actually reverse the, the damage yes, if yes, it's early yes. enough. If it's early enough. Right, that means when you find that your forgetfulness is interfering with your daily life, right? Yep. Is there like a, I don't know, a time period that people can 
you know, watch out for? Would you suggest that, you know, if you have these symptoms over, say, many months, then they should come and seek help? Because obviously, if it's a few days, that's, you should wait, right? That's too early. <laughs> I think it depends on the context. Lah. If you have symptoms and you cannot draw a line uh, to say when exactly it started to happen, it just catches attention a little bit by a little bit more. Yeah. So I think uh, those kind of contacts probably wait for months, even half a year. Um, I think it's still reasonable. But if you have a significant onset, then you can feel that hey, suddenly for the past couple of weeks, you know, things are really, really not right. Then you really shouldn't wait. Um, something more dangerous could have happened. For example, it could be a stroke. But at NNI people, uh, do they just walk in or they get referred? All a uh, majority of the cases are being referred. Yeah. Mm. Example. Okay, so, so you should just first okay. go to a GP or a polyclinic. Yes. yes. Yeah. Go to your primary doctors and have a consult to see you know foreign uh, surgery hospital uh, investigation. Right. Thank you for your time, Doctor Ting. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times. Don't forget to subscribe to us for free on your favourite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Search for Straits Times Health Check, like us and give us a rating. Thank you for listening. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.